0: Welcome to The Citizen's Midweek. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at the sermon from this past week. I'm your host, Jacob Kirby, joined this week by uh, our deacon and lead team member, Garrison Weiner. Hi, Garrison. Hey, everybody. Let's get started. God has given us work to do. So in this series, we're trying to figure out what it means to to think about our work and our labor and our cultivating as Christians. So for week two, um, we were looking at a couple of different passages. We looked at Genesis chapter three seventeen through nineteen, which is kind of the passage about the ground being cursed, our our work being cursed because of the curse of sin. I'm talking about how. Because of, of the sin of Adam and Eve, now their labor is going to bear thorns and thistles. It's going to be, it's going, the, the earth is going to fight back against us in our work. And we also looked at First Corinthians 7, 17 through 24, kind of just talking about the idea of God um, God's calling on our lives, kind of two different types of calling, like the general call of salvation, the call to become a believer in Jesus and also God's calling on our life, which is the call to, you know, to, to be certain types of people or to do certain types of work and things like that. So, um, we kind of highlighted a couple specific things in the sermon. Um, the three points that we kind of work towards at the end um, were that God's calling for all of us. And no matter what the work is, is to do three things. It's to work heartily for the Lord. Um, so no matter the work that we find ourselves doing, whether it's our dream job or not, whether it's the thing we always hoped that we would do, but to do whatever we've been given with integrity, with intensity, with, with zeal, um, knowing that it's from God, to see our work as discipleship opportunities. That was number two. So to, to view the work that we're doing as chances to be shaped by the spirit, to be like Jesus and to also shape the people around us to be like Jesus. And the final point was to remember Jesus's work in all of it, that, you know, Jesus did have work. He did have labor. He also had a mission that he was committed to doing. And so we looked at the example of Jesus who had integrity and doing what he was called to do as we kind of go about um, our work. Um, for me, the thing that stuck out the most was kind of in that, maybe like that last third, you kind of gave two pyramids, Garrison, kind of talking about how the world tends to view the work or our calling towards work versus how Christians should do it. And the, the, you know, the world was an inverted pyramid. I'm doing a hand motion like anybody's going to see what I'm doing. I'm doing, What is this? I'm doing an Illuminati triangle in my living room. Great. Um but the world's kind of pyramid is upside down where we start with passions at the bottom in a worldly sense where the first thing the world might think about is what am I what do I care the most about? What do I, what what excites me the most? What do I enjoy doing the most? And then from there they might move into thinking about my our abilities. Like, well, this is what I care about. What am I able to do job wise? And then kind of looking around at opportunities beyond that and saying, Well, what's actually available to me in terms of kind of the career landscape in front of me, what opportunities can actually take. And then afterwards we think about God almost as an afterthought. And you said it this way and I was like, wow, I've totally done that before of like after we discern our passions, abilities and opportunities being like, and thus, this is what God has given me. (laughs) Like, This is what God's told me to do because I've finagled and figured out these, these processes or whatever. And I just remember like so many seasons of like, I'm so called to do Oh, and it was like tongue in cheek, like I'm called to do coincidentally the thing that I'm the most excited and passionate about every time, huh? And I'm certainly not called to do anything I don't love. Um, but then we're talking about how as Christians, it's actually, we should flip that upside down. So the pyramid's the right way or we should start at our, our bottom should be God, um, you know, trying to honor God and trying to follow Jesus. And then from there, we might look to what opportunities do we have? Of oh, those opportunities, what am I actually capable of doing job wise? And then maybe passions afterwards, but it shouldn't be fueled the other way around. I just thought that was really helpful and it was really silly because it just reminded me of me in my early 20s. Like, I, I went to school for ministry and we were all like that. If like everybody, like we get to class and it's like, introduce yourself to the class. What are you studying? What do you want to do? And it's like, oh, the Lord's called me too. And it's like precisely the thing that you're the most excited and passionate about. And I was always like, huh. This feels a little weird, a little, but what about you? What stuck out to you kind of while you were preparing for the sermon this week?
1: No, so I mean, a couple different things. And I think the way I'm sort of phrasing it in my head and now is the nature of a calling. So, I mean, the way you're talking about it is, you know, one, one of the ways we get it wrong or can get it wrong as Christians. Um, but I, I don't want to go too far in saying that God can't specifically and uniquely call us to things because he can, and that's a good thing, and that's uh, a beautiful thing that honestly you should you should want in some ways. However, you just have to go about discerning that the right way, um, and I think we can get a little bit confused um, in, in those regards. So, I mean, in the nature of a calling, uh, I guess one is kind of how we talked about in the sermon of well, we all have a calling. You want to know what your calling is? You want to know where you're called to? You know, who you're called to? Well, what's going on in your life right now? And, you know, you can can respond to that by saying, well, that seems sort of meaningless. It's the whole logic of, well, if everybody has the thing, then nobody has the thing. And I think my pushback to that is, well, that sounds like you've bought into the dream job ideology with a Christian spin on it, is... You you want to know God's unique calling, and which is a good thing, but you want it for the wrong reasons. You want it so that you can do the dream job ideology, um, where in fact, God has called you somewhere with for a reason. Um, and I think uh, another reason that I think we can get it wrong with the calling is so we can be a little lazy, you know? Because uh, if your work is a calling then you have been pushed to figure out the why, which we talked about with the bread. So what if you were the the baker for the bread? It's pretty pretty easy to forget the why there, but God, God is using you as a means to fulfill um, some of his promises, and, and you have uh, the opportunity and the responsibility to figure out what that purpose is and you do it with prayer, you you know do it with community. but that's what I'm hoping for with a lot of our uh, our church is to actually figure out what that why is. If God's put you where you are right now, why do you think that is? What do you think the point is? Um, so that's part of the, the nature of a calling is yes, there, there is uh, a calling in your life. Now uh, there are times, uh, where you can discern what the unique and specific calling is. Um, you know, I think that's a good thing. I don't want that to be missed. So, I mean, the way, even a personal way that that's, uh, worked out in our life is the calling that we felt to, to help plant this church, um, where God, I, I think specifically and uniquely called Cole and I, uh, and the rest of our church, um if you moved to be a part of this and if you uh uprooted where you were to hop in with us as a new church i think he uniquely and specifically called you to do this um now where that can go off again is in the way that we we phrase things right we we were talking about this before jacob where we say well i think god's called me to this god has called me to this so therefore i can do whatever i want right so uh, that would be a a misplaced use of the phrasing, you know, calling um and you know I don't, I don't want to ramble, but even going back to the nature of a calling, uh you have to be called. Like there's a uh you you can think and feel called to something, but have you actually been asked? So so part of it is like uh back in college, I felt like I was called to be a part of a church plant yeah. to to help plant a church. Now, the way I thought it would play out <laughs> is that it would kind of be all about me. Yeah, like a twenty one year old um, head pastor. Right. So <laughs> so even yeah so even going into ministry straight out of college, I thought you know the track is I'm going to be a church planter. Yeah
0: yeah yeah.
1: Um, but that didn't get affirmed. Right right that didn't get I, I was not asked to match do with that the opportunities available by, to you by our sending church. But a couple years later, Tim. Asked me if I wanted to be a part of this, and that was yeah. the affirmation. That was the actual call. Uh, so that's a huge piece of it. So you have to really think about what the nature of the calling is, because yeah. uh, there's a lot of ways that you can. Uh, I I want our church. I want all of us to be able to discern both. You know the why behind the calling, in the sense that you are where you are for a reason. God has put you. He summons you to where you are for a reason, and. You may have a unique calling, and I want you to be able to discern that well, uh, and not go down some of the rabbit holes yeah. um,
0: that you can. And I think a lot of times too, what I've at least what I've seen in my life is that we can kind of we discern what the calling was kind of in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is where yeah I was being led, but. What I wanted when I was, especially when I was in my early twenties, and again, like you had a different experience. You studied religion at a at a state university. I studied. Not as good as your. No, no, that's not what I mean at all. I just mean like (laughs) I was in an environment where everybody was like, "We're all called to do Christian ministry, right?" To to varying degrees of orthodoxy and practice, practice and stuff. But you know, we were all asked, like, "What do you What are you here for? What are you called to do?" And there's almost this pressure to like sort of spiritualize your own discernment of like, well, I think I want to do this. And now it's a calling, you know what I mean? Right. And I just remember being in my early twenties in college, convinced that I was called to be a, not just like at a church, but a, a worship leader, like famous worship leader. I was so sure of it. I remember I went to Passion when I was like 20, the Passion Conference, if you're familiar with it. And the that year their their whole thing was like the God's called you to do something immeasurably He's gonna do something immeasurably more in your life. What's your immeasurably more? And I was like, I'm gonna be leading on this stage by the time I'm 30. <laughs> and then, you know, I got out of college and got my first internship at a church and told them I wanted to be a worship leader. And they're like, Oh, okay. Can you lead a band? Can you can you play an instrument to lead worship for us? And I was like, No, I can sing all right. I like to sing. Is that good enough? And it's like my own ability didn't match what I was convinced that I was called to do. And I spent a whole basically a whole year being really bitter at the people that were trying to helpfully right. disciple me because I was like you're stopping me from my calling. But it's like bro, your your calling doesn't yeah, match what you can it, even do.
1: It's a huge part <laughs> of the danger is like you may be spiritualizing a heart issue. So, if you think about the dream job ideology, you know, right. find the thing you're most, if you do the thing that you're most passionate about, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. I think the reason that's so appealing is that it appeals to our desire to self-actualize. It appeals to our desire to be special and unique yeah. and have it's like something where it's like, by this is bit. me, this is who I am. Huh. We don't, we sometimes miss that we even believe that. Uh, Because we put a little bit of a Christian frame on it and saying, like, if God has uniquely called me to this thing, Mm -hmm. that means I'm special. Right. That means, and that's not the point. That's not necessarily true, but those things are getting tangled up.
0: Right. I think I was even just thinking, this is kind of a side thought, but when discerning what we're called to do, and I really appreciated this in the sermon, was that you kind of reemphasized like you are called to do whatever you are doing right now because that's where, that's where God's sovereignty is placed you. And I was even just thinking like, and when we're discerning what we're called, like the bread analogy, maybe the like the big picture isn't even in the what, but in the who, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. maybe the, the fruit of your labor isn't necessarily in contributing to, you know, making bread that feeds families in a way that, you know, but it could just be like, oh, I'm here because of the relationships it gives me. Like maybe this job really does suck. But while I'm here doing a job that I don't like with integrity, I'm meeting people that otherwise wouldn't have somebody that knows Jesus. Maybe I'm in a neighborhood, you know, maybe I'm working in a neighborhood or something that I would have no other access to, to meet people other than the fact that I work here. You know, there could be reasons bigger than just the, what you're doing. Yeah. That might give purpose to the why you might be called to do it in that season. But, um, yeah, I thought that was super helpful. That's good. Uh, so what are we going to dive deep on today, Garrison? Yeah,
1: I think I, uh, didn't get to spend as much time on those last three points as I wanted to, um, I initially had them a little bit higher up in the sermon, but we did a lot of work on uh, getting the points where they needed to be, so it flowed smoothly. So, the final three points essentially um, thinking through you know, when you uh, endure, when you come across the thorns and the thistles, the toil of work, um, three things that you can do. One, work heartily, coming out of Colossians uh, 3 22 through 24. Um, work heartily, uh, see your work as discipleship, and remember Jesus' work. So um, I think those are, uh, honestly, they're a little less hyper practical uh, takeaways, but I think they help reframe how you see and approach your work. So. Right kind of starting with that Dorothy Sayers quote that I, I mentioned earlier in the sermon, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really helpful where, uh, if, if, if you remember, she essentially says, you know, the church, uh, if, if we have an intelligent carpenter, right, uh, that the church usually uh, pushes... Them to not be drunk and disorderly in their leisure time, and to attend church on Sundays. <laughs> when really, what we should be calling them to do is to make great tables. Right? You know, make uh, great tables. And I think the thought there is, you should be one of the best employees at your job. Mm-hmm. You know, even uh, even if you hate it, yeah. even if it isn't your passion, yeah. your boss, your coworkers they should honestly look to you right. uh, for what worth, work ethic, uh, what good work ethic actually looks like, what excellent performance mm-hmm. at, at works looks like. And I think the Bible's clear why, not because it's like, you know, because you want to get ahead, because you want to be really impressive. It's like, no, because you're working for your Savior. Yeah. Working as, you know, as unto the Lord, I think as the text says. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing right. that we can miss and. uh, that I've heard almost said flippantly or as a throwaway, where it's like, you know, work for God, work for Jesus. And it's like, no, that's a huge thing. Right. Reshape the who. Right. Right. Uh, you know, we talked about in that point how it's the Bible is way more concerned with the how you work, the quality of your work, uh, and who you're actually working for, who your master really is, rather than what the what is. The what is it's just not important, and I think you know if you if you're even looking at the triangle, I think we tend to flip that around, and say the what's the most important. If uh, if I can get the right what, then the how will fall together, and I'll, be I'll so really be able to. Like, I'll I really like. be able to glorify God then, because I'll have the thing that I love. Yeah. When the Bible says
0: no, it's wow. Reversed. Take that out of take that out of the context of work though, and it sounds so foolish. You know, like. Yeah if I have the thing that I want, then it will be easier to glorify God. That would trigger our red flags so immediately in any other context, wouldn't it? But I think in this, we've definitely kind of given ourselves a pass because of the way we've kind of mixed it in with the nature of calling and sometimes maybe sinfully kind of overemphasized. I don't know, spiritualizing our callings a little bit, but I think, you know, I was just thinking, um, and I'm sure biblical scholars might chastise me for, mixing metaphors here, but it made me think when you're just saying that made me think about the parable of the talents a little bit of like, you know, if you're not a good steward of having less and in this context, less might be a job you don't care about. (laughs) Yeah. Then like, who's to say that you're going to steward well when you have more. And I'm not saying that God's rewarding you with a better job by giving you a job you don't like that you do well. That's not necessarily the point, but I think the point for me in, you know, bringing in that parable, is like, God cares about what you're doing with your work, regardless of what of, you know, if it's exactly what you want or not, Yeah, whether your job is not what you want. And it's like the one talent or it's your dream job. And it's a hundred talents. God cares just as much what either situation brings out of you. Yeah. Integrity, discipleship, fruit of the spirit, you know, Um, cultivating the relationships with your coworkers, like doing a good job. He cares about that in either context, no matter how many talents your job might kind of be representing, you yeah. know.
1: I think uh, a big piece of that is the is the second point, where it's yeah. seeing your work as discipleship. Um, right. I can't remember if Tim said this or if it was a conversation in teaching team, but um, or maybe Cole talked about it in his sermon a few weeks ago. But I think it's something like we spend. If you boil down all of the time that you will spend working, whatever whatever you call work. It's something like one-sixth or one-seventh of your whole life. That's a big portion of your life. So it's a pretty, it's a huge means of discipleship, of spiritual formation. Like, don't just think, uh, too often this is true of me, and just I've talked to a bunch of people um, in our church and friendships over the years where uh, there's this trend of like, you know, I, I clock in, and then when I clock out, I start thinking about God again right? Like I spend time with Jesus in the morning and then I go to work and I'm not like actively sinning (laughs) at work, but it's a little on the godless side, like more so just, I'm just doing what I need to do to get through the day. And then I get home and I clock back into Christian life. And that is not what the Bible is inviting us into. It's no, this is a huge part of discipleship to Jesus. Bring them in to your work. Your relationship with God doesn't you know, take a, a time out uh, as you're going about uh, your your work. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a huge piece to it. Right. Working hard is good for you. Working really hard has a good effect on your heart right. and your discipleship to Jesus.
0: Right, being committed to do a hard thing. It's, it's a practice. I mean, sometimes it's the practice of long suffering, right? Like it's building endurance on us. And it's not always suffering. Hopefully some of us like our jobs. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I like my job. Yeah. Um, but it's even liking a job doesn't mean it's always easy. And so recognizing like, and I think this, you know, it's been easier to see this when our full-time jobs were ministry, but it's been a little bit harder to recognize those now that we're both doing jobs that aren't full-time yeah. ministry, where it's like the hard day at work in real estate is still an opportunity that the Holy Spirit wants to use to shape me to be more like Jesus, Right? right. And I think I definitely, you know, in the early stages of having a new job was kind of giving myself a pass to be less than Christian <laughs> in some kind. Con- like I could be meaner. I could be more impatient. I- it was almost like I gave myself permission to do that because it wasn't a church job anymore. But even just now in the season, recognizing like, no, I, could- I have the chance to be a unique type of realtor by being one that tries to be like Jesus. Yeah. throughout the process you and
1: know? all of your all of the stress the the worry, the hard conversations at, at work and this is just the hard stuff mm-hmm. I mean you can also look at the wins uh, the, the positive parts of work um, making progress uh, people affirming your work um, things growing and developing these are all opportunities to one you know praise God for them. But then also to, to go to God uh, in need. And, uh, you know, a big thing for me right now is like praying for, I, I need some peace right now. I need some some help reminding what's actually true about reality uh, because we can get into our head. I can get into my head that, you know, uh, everything is contingent on how well I'm doing at my job right now. And it's not. God God put you here right like if you reframe with the whole idea of a calling it man it gives you purpose but it also gives you security
0: any final thoughts you have for today gerson nope thanks for having me yeah, thanks for being here with us. A couple of quick things for us coming up at Citizen Church. We've got our Citizens Lake Day coming up on the 24th. You can find more info about that on our website, citizenscharlotte.com. The big thing for that is going to be if you can car- carpool with anybody, please do. we got some limited parking um, at the Lake Day. So if you're able to carpool, do that. Um, but other than that, that is all the time we have for today. So we will see you next time.